In our first reading this morning, St. John describes a vision of heaven. He sees a great multitude standing before the throne and the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. They say, salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels are singing praise to God. St. John is told that those who are standing before the throne will hunger and thirst no more. The Lamb, he says, will be their shepherd and will guide them to the springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eye. It is a wonderful vision, and it expresses the hope that whatever suffering we may experience here and now in this world, it will one day come to an end. In the minds of most believers, I think, that day will be when we die and go to be with God in heaven. We need, however, to read to the end of the book of Revelation. For St. John's vision ends not in heaven, but with a new heaven and a new earth. St. John sees the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. St. John tells us that the river of the water of life flows through the city from the throne of God and the Lamb. And on either side of the river in the city of God is the tree of life. And it is to this river in the city of God that the Lamb is leading his people. It is this city, the new Jerusalem, that is to be our hope. I mentioned the stained glass window at the back of the church, the west window. That depicts John's vision at the end of the book of Revelation. The Lamb leading his people to the river of life with the tree on either side of it, with the fruits for the healing of the nations. So that window tries to depict our ultimate hope. So as we leave church every Sunday, we see the hope that is meant to guide us and lead us in the week ahead. We are, of course, in the area of vision and metaphor, a place where language is insufficient and ultimately breaks down as it tries to describe the indescribable. This image, however, of the city of God as our home and our hope is not only to be found in the book of Revelation. The writer of the letter to the Hebrews says, for here we have no lasting city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. St. Paul also uses the image of the city to express our hope. He tells the, the Galatians that the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she, he writes, is our mother. St. Paul tells the Philippians, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a saviour the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, all this is very important because our hope is not for a disembodied state in heaven, but for our bodies to be renewed and transformed, to live in the new Jerusalem, in a renewed heaven and a renewed earth. 
St. John writes in our second reading, what we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this, when he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And how is he? The resurrected Christ appeared to his disciples, not as a disembodied spirit, not as a ghost, but as a real human being, physically embodied. You could see the scars and the place where the spear went into his side. He ate and drank with his disciples. Our hope is that we too will share a resurrected body that we will be like him. St. John tells us that those who have this hope purify themselves even as he is pure. In other words, our hope will have an effect on how we live here and now. Three things, I think, follow from this. Firstly, that the cities that we live in now are not our home. Secondly, our hope is to journey to the eternal city, the city of God. And thirdly, that journey begins now. Any of you who have listened to my reflections on RTHK Radio 4 this week, and yes, that is a shameless plug, they're still available online and in the Facebook group, will have heard me quote Saint Augustine. Saint Augustine, very important saint who wrote in the fifth century, wrote these words. Accordingly, two cities have been formed by two loves, the earthly by the love of self, even to the contempt of God, the heavenly by the love of God, even to the contempt of self. The book, The City of God, was to be a foundational text for the church as it faced the challenges of the Middle Ages. It has continued to be influential since. We all have to choose which city we want to belong to. Do we want to be citizens of the heavenly city, the city of God, or not? The first believers, the very first believers, believed that the city or kingdom of God would come in their lifetime. As time went on, however, it became clear that the kingdom of God was not going to come in their lifetime, and the church and believers had to adjust and think through what it meant to live as believers in this world, living in this world while belonging to another, the one they hoped would come one day. While this world hated and persecuted them, as Jesus said it would, it was fairly easy to remember that their allegiance was to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one whose kingdom did not belong to this world. But when the city of Rome declared for the city of God, the kingdom of God, life became more complicated because popes and bishops became powerful earthly rulers and the church became a major force in earthly political, social and economic life. Bishops still sit in the British House of Lords, a leftover, a remnant from the time when such positions actually mattered. Not all in the church were happy 
with the accommodation the church came to with earthly political power. Some saw it as a compromise at best and apostasy at worst. It was in reaction to the accommodation with earthly political power that the monastic movement was born with its desire to escape from this world and to live a purer life separated from it. Well, whatever we think of what role the church has had in the past, it is clear that the church's power in this world is coming to an end. The power and place it once had in human society is passing away, indeed, has largely now gone. Many in the church find it hard to let go of. Others bewail and mourn its passing and plan and plot how they may get it back. But the loss of what some miss and others try to regain provides us with the chance to rediscover something that has in fact been true all along, something true believers never forgot. This world is not our home. Our citizenship is above. We belong to the city of God. This realization should be a cause for rejoicing. It enables us to reassess how we live here in this world, now so openly and increasingly hostile to us and our faith. It is here that another great book can help us. John Bunyan published A Pilgrim's Progress in 1678. He wrote it while in prison in Bedford, where I ministered for a number of years, and my brother ministers uh, today. Winnie and I uh, passed the prison where he was imprisoned. Winnie had a picture taken in the pulpit that John Bunyan preached from uh, last uh, summer. You'll have to ask her if you want to see it. Uh, John Bunyan, very influential book, been translated into 200 languages. John Bunyan imagines the Christian life as a journey from the city of destruction to the celestial city, and he describes how Christian, the pilgrim in the story, faces temptations, difficulties, and challenges on his way. The Christian life as a journey, as a pilgrimage from this city to the city of God. John Bunyan challenges us to see that the cities of this world, the cities of destruction, are not our home. We are not to live by their attitudes and values. We are to live even now by the values and attitudes of the celestial city, the city of God. To put it another way, we are all expats here. Now, here in Hong Kong, we're familiar with the concept of the expat because we've had expats living here since Hong Kong was established. I have lived here quite a few years now, but people still see me as a foreigner. Obviously they do. You can tell just by looking at me and listening to me that I don't come from here. You can see that I'm a foreigner. So here's the thing. Can people tell simply by looking at us and listening to us 
that we don't belong here, but belong to the city of God? Can they tell that we are foreigners here? As Christian in Pilgrim's Progress found, finding the way to the city of God is not always easy. Today is All Saints Sunday. You're probably wondering when I was going to get round to that. It is here, in finding the way to the celestial city, the city of God, that the saints can help us. They have made the journey and now stand before the throne of God and the Lamb. They show us not only that it is possible to get to the city of God, but how to get there and how to overcome the obstacles on the way. Now, I know that many in the church are a bit wary of the saints, and for good reason. They ask, don't we have God? Don't we have our Lord Jesus Christ? Don't we have the Holy Spirit? Aren't they enough? Why do we need the saints? We need to be very careful here because it can sound as though we're being very spiritual in saying this, but it can also be a form of spiritual pride. After all, we have God, we have our Lord Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit, but the Bible tells us we still need each other, we still need the church, and in a moment or two we will say that we believe in the communion of the saints, that we are all joined together, church past, present, and future. The saints are God's gift to the church. In his letters, St. Paul tells those he writes to, to imitate him. He presents himself as an example to believers, an example of faith, a role model for them to copy, a visual aid to help them on their journey. St. Paul is critical of those who see leaders such as himself as celebrities, but he knows the value of guides. This week on Reflections, I was talking about some of the saints who can act as spiritual guides for us on our journey, who model faith for us. Saints like St. Augustine, St. Hildegard, St. Catherine. St. Paul writes in Philippians that he is writing to them so that they may be bled, sorry, so that they may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which, he says, you shine like stars in the world. The world is in darkness. And while we shine like stars in the world, finding our way through it can be challenging. God has given us the saints as guides to help us on our way. But the journey must begin. We, like Christian in Pilgrim's Progress, have to leave the security and comfort of life in the city of destruction and make our way to the city of God. I have quoted two classics this morning. Let me close by referring to one more. I don't know how many of you have heard of Thomas Kempis and his book, The Imitation of Christ. It's one of the best-selling books of all time. 
So if you haven't heard of it, look it up. It was written in the 15th century. Thomas Akempis wrote this, for a small income, a long journey is undertaken. For everlasting life, many will scarce once lift a foot from the ground. He's making the point that we're happy to go on long journeys when there's some gain in this world. But he writes, isn't it tragic that many won't even make the first step towards the city of God? As we read and think today of those who did lift a foot off the ground, those who have gone before us and who now are standing before the throne of God and the Lamb, let us too begin our journey. Or if we have begun it, let us press on with it, not be discouraged or give up, but follow their example and head towards the city of God. For the Lamb will be our shepherd and will lead us to the river of the water of life. May we follow him and all those who have gone before us. Amen.